we're going to do another Q&A episode today. We had so much fun doing the last one. People sent in such great questions that we wanted to do another one of these, and we'll keep doing these every so often just because it's fun to talk about the things that people want to hear. And I know that for every one person that asks these questions, there's probably a hundred more out there who are thinking it or who will learn something from it. So, Yeah, I, I love these. Yeah, we're going to have fun today. So it never fails whenever we put out um, a solicitation for questions. Never fails. The thing that people are the most curious about is always your caller. Interesting. I don't think we've ever solicited questions without getting caller questions. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So it's only fitting that that's where we're going to start today. So the, the first question is, are there physical challenges living with the Eternity Caller 24-7, such as downward dog and yoga, it bouncing around while running, taking showers, etc.? And then how did you find a the right trade-off between a snug or a loose fit. So are there physical challenges wearing your collar? No, I haven't come across any, but um, it's pretty lightweight too. It's titanium. So like, yes, I have felt it um, like bounce on my collarbones here and there, but I, I just don't notice that if it's happening because it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's just moving with me so so when you do downward dog when you do yoga mm -hmm. besides that it looks amazing <laughs> what happens with your collar does it go up and like bounce on your chin no like it's it's snugger so snugger is that a word now it is like <laughs> it only goes up to here so it doesn't hurt it doesn't um yeah like I've jumped rope, I've done burpees, I've done hang cleans. Um, and this, I believe, is the extra small fit from Eternity Colors. Yep. I also had the small for a while, and that would hit more of my collarbones. So I like this extra small, more snug fit that is, um, gosh, I would say, like I can get a, f a finger width between my neck and my and the collar. Yeah, and it rests like just above your collarbones. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can kind of see this. Her collarbones are right about here, and so the collar rests just above them. So if it does bounce, it's not hitting on bone. And I would correct that. I think I remember when I would do hand cleans, I would hear the ching of my collar because I think I was... The bar would hit Yeah, the metal. and I, I've also had that other um, ring, too, that just made more noise. Mm -hmm. So this black leather piece um, is my daily wear one yeah. and I know it said something about showers um, I think we replaced this one once but it yeah, hasn't I, I keep the leather at all. I keep the leather pretty well waterproofed to yeah. the best that I can too um, I think it's also probably time since you did introduce a new word snugger <laughs> that we introduce our podcast <laughs> listeners to this very fun thing that we have at home, <laughs> which is called the Donctionary. And what is the Donctionary? It's my made up words. Yes, it's a dictionary of words that Dawn has made up. It doesn't really exist. We just reference it all the time anytime I make a new word. Yep. So there, there are some very familiar words in, in the Donctionary and now Snugger is in there. I think it's the most funny when I don't realize I made up a word and you have to tell me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Probably the your your best one ever was clip it, which yeah. is a, a combination word of clip and snippet. I'm so gonna copyright that. You probably should. <laughs> so now like we let you all into a little one of our inside <laughs> jokes about the, the donctionary. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, the one last thing, you mentioned the collar being titanium from Eternity Collars, and we will put a link in the show notes for this episode to Eternity Collars. We're an affiliate. We get a commission if you buy one there. Uh, we only are affiliates for them because we love them and we love their products, and the people who run the company are great as well. So um, 
the titanium collars are very light. There are people who sell ones that look very similar, but they're stainless steel and they weigh about three times as much, if yeah. I remember right. And I can't remember if we mentioned this in the Colors podcast before, but I know we've gotten questions about being out in the sun. Um, and I have never really noticed this getting too hot. Like I've never had to take it off because it heated up too much on me. And I've spent a lot of time in the sunshine. Yeah, you have gotten some really good collar tan lines though. Yeah, but when I wear it, mostly this one all the time, you don't even notice them. They're just fun for me. Yeah. So the next question came as a follow-up on one of our past podcasts. And someone's asking you, Don, the work you did to work through your past emotional issues, did you read specific books? If so, can you recommend any that have directly supported your journey into submission? Hmm. Um, I will answer this one and then I want you to give any commentary because I only remember so much of what I've read because I've read a lot of books, but it's mainly fiction now. Um, but I, I do love this question because I understand where it's coming from because at the beginning of this journey, all I've known was like to learn something, I had to read something. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I did all in school. Gain knowledge and then you have knowledge. Yeah. And gosh, when we're so programmed in that, like that is really hard to break out of. And the my point of reference and being in school is like, I was so the math brain, like <laughs> do this equation, get the perfect answer. Mm -hmm. Instead of the, this is how I label it, <laughs> the English brain <laughs> of the more conceptual, abstract. Yeah. Um, you, you liked the the objective black and white right and wrong answers versus the subjective right and wrong. Yeah, and so I was so ingrained in that black and white thinking. And so coming down this journey, there were, at the beginning, it was like, give me information so I can figure out how to do this. And um, the best book that I've I read to help me on my journey specifically was How to Do the Work by the Holistic Psychologist. And it turned me inward. Nicole LaPera? Yes, yeah. Dr. Le Nicole LaPera. And um, it really, I had already understood uh, some of this stuff because I'd followed her Instagram account and I don't know what else, but I, I understood the emotional aspect for the first time in my life. And so, there, I didn't read a specific book on submission, but it was that book and then um, The Untethered Soul was another one I read that was very, very incredibly helpful. And then I'd say The Four Agreements. And so those are more about the bigger aspect of life and surrender and I don't really even know how to em summarize emotional all that. maturity and emotional like emotional engagement with your own reality with the truth. Yeah, and I want to say there was another book around the time of the untethered soul, but I don't remember what that was. Yeah, so to your point and to the person who asked the question here, thank you for it. Don't over-rely on information. Oh, yeah. Like I guess in, I didn't get to explain that. Inputting information puts knowledge in your head, which helps you understand. But it doesn't actually make any difference in your emotional reality, in your ability to, for example, heal traumatic experiences and wounding that you carry with you from your past. You can't do that through the head and you can't do that by inputting information and learning something because you can't think your way out of a thinking problem. You have to feel your way. Right. And so I want to take a tangent on that. Um, like 
the emotional experience of life is accessed through the body as the feminine. And so I had to let go of the trying to understand everything from my mind and really connect with my body. And that is how I've come to be where I'm at today. Of course, along with your guidance every step of the way. Not through the mind, it's been through the body. And the knowings from the body are not the same as intellect from the mind. Right. And the difference between knowing in the mind and knowing in the body is like the difference between reading something and having the knowledge. Like if somebody asked you the question, you could give the correct answer because you know the thing. Mm-hmm. But knowing in the body is just, it's a felt sense of trust and understanding that it just, you know exactly what it is and it feels like you know rather than you just think you know. Yep. I use the example sometimes of what, of how deep a knowing is, is like the knowing that gravity exists. Like if you hold something up and you drop it, you don't question for a second that it's going to fall. And that, like, that is the depth of knowing that you can get to through the body that you can never get to through the mind. Like if, if you had never experienced gravity, I could explain it to you. You could think you understood it. You could list out and write out what it does, but you wouldn't actually know what it's like to drop something and have it fall until you've experienced it. Next question. Another comment on one of our past podcasts. Don talks a lot about feeling so free to not have to make decisions. And as a submissive myself, that sounds amazing. But I wonder, Don, do you ever feel guilty that Andrew takes on all of that responsibility? I would say in the past and the beginning, yes. When I just didn't trust you fully in what you were saying and as I've deepened in this journey I and I've had to um, I don't want to say the be, be in my role but I don't know how else to say it like be deeper in my feminine I have to accept you as the opposite if I truly want to live in this thing we call polarity and um, the bigness, the expansiveness of what we can experience in that passion and desire, I have to trust it. And so now, no, I don't feel guilty at all <laughs> because it's not my role to be the one in charge and to make all the decisions. It's not my strength, it's exhausting, and I've released my attachment to it, which released the guilt as well. One of the other things that I've, that I've witnessed in you in that is, a part of it was accepting the fact that I was I was actually different than you. Like this was actually diff a very different experience for me to mm-hmm. take responsibility than it was for you to be the responsible one. Absolutely. Like, you didn't really believe that. Not at first, no. Because the follow-up on this question then to me is asking me, does having to make all of the decisions stress you out ever? No, not at all. When she's not trying to challenge all of them and question every decision that I make. It's actually very easy. And I have heard you say that to me so many times. And I believe you now. <laughs> it's it's actually very fulfilling and rewarding for me to take responsibility and to step forward. When that doesn't feel good, it's usually because I'm taking I'm trying to take responsibility but not actually being given the lead not being trusted in the lead to your point like being able to trust yeah and i've witnessed the confidence 
in your ability to create the vision, the direction for us, um, share with me what I need to know about the path you're taking. And I've like over and over experienced a better life because of it. And so that in itself has also been like, oh yeah, all these things that I've tried to do for myself haven't been the way. And what you told me was the way is legitimately the way. <laughs> so no, I don't want to make the decisions. So to the last part of this person's question, if asking me if I think that, that that's typical of men, I do think it's typical of men or anyone with a masculine core to want to chart a course and to be able to execute on their plan, to be able to take something forward in the direction they think is right. And when they have someone with them saying, I believe in you, I trust you, I will go with you, that is invigorating to us. When we have someone next to us saying, did you remember this? Did you think about that? What was the, like, why'd you decide this way? What was the, like, what was the rationale behind your decision making? Now we can't focus on actually doing what we're wanting to do because we're having to explain ourselves, justify ourselves, make you feel okay about where we're going before you will be able to go there rather than having your trust, which is saying, I will go where you go and I believe in you. Yes, and I lived in all of those questions, I know. I used to show up that way and I didn't even know what I was doing. I and just I, had to be the responsible one in a lot of ways in my life um, before and before us. And so, gosh, to to come into the recognizing of that was control, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? And then to try to unwind those patterns and that habit, it took some work and it took me being willing to be called out by you. Mm-hmm but and I know I still do it once in a while I know I do um, but I can say that I have come to feel the excitement and the um, joy in not having to make all the decisions like it is possible very very much is so another question following up on one of our last podcast i'm sorry this is on one of our last instagram posts somebody says when the fuck did bdsm become a therapy session what the fuck (laughs) um (laughs) what is your end what is your response um wow where do i even start with that well Oh gosh, I'm I'm trying to like take a lot down into a little bit here. Um, I can only speak from my experience as a woman and like it's an emotional experience. And so if you're disconnected from your emotions, you're disconnected from the endless infinite possibilities of life experience as well. And so emotion, like your emotional expression and experience is all about the body. And like, that's what people want to experience in BDSM as well and kink. It's seeking, in my understanding, from what I have heard is it's seeking to drop out of the mind and into the body. Like that's impact play. That's, um, it is probably one of the best ones and the depth of turn on that you can experience in the body is all helped with emotional um, connection mm-hmm. and so when you have this emotional poison from your past bumping up against things like you're limiting your experience of not um, working through the personal development aspect maybe it's therapy maybe it's like on your own but it's it's all connected i guess yeah and i can see a question like that coming from someone who sees 
dominance and submission. BDSM is just like a, a game or a kink or something very superficial that lacks any meaning or depth or relationship. And it's just right. about role play or fantasy or, or whatever, like engaging on any sort of an emotional level for someone who engages with this lifestyle at that level makes no sense at all right and what if that's where they play and that's where they want to stay that's fine but this is never going to make sense what we do here what we do in our relationship what we talk about on this podcast and in our instagram posts and our courses is is never going to make sense to someone who's only wanting to engage in dumb sub play bdsm play at a surface kink role play kind of a level right this this is about how what we do here is about how you do this and have love and connection and relationship and devotion at the same time as being able to explore in all of those kink bdsm fun realms without without fucking up a good relationship but actually being able to add to it and make it more loving, more devoted, more connected, even better than what it would be without that energy. Right. So, Mr. Um, whatever your Instagram username is, it's not so much about it being a therapy session. It's about being able to bring emotional awareness to dominance and submission to make it something that's a whole lot better. You might want to give it a try. You might have some fun. <laughs> Next question. I'd like to hear more about what trustworthiness is like in a dom. I believe trust is a huge component. So what does trustworthiness look like in a dominant man to you, Don? Um, gosh, that's such a deep question that I could probably go off on a tangent for an hour. Um, if you're looking at a person and you are trying to de determine, is this a trustworthy person? Well, you can't look at someone and determine if they're trustworthy. You have to have experience with them. And so does he say what he's going to do? Or does he? Do, do, I said that really funny. Does he do what he's? Does he do what he says he's going to do? Does he yes. follow through? Yes. Um, does he have integrity? Um, does he have confidence in his own strength? Does he have humility? Mm -hmm. Is he connected to his heart? So all of those things is what I have experienced in you but I've also had to learn how to trust myself before I could fully trust you yeah and we've talked about that at length but what I've really seen in that from you like in feeling your trust build for me is has been your ability to speak up to say what exactly that's the trust I've had to build in myself mm -hmm. that if something doesn't feel right I will speak up if if you do something that rocks me I have to speak up and also like trust myself to share all of my emotional expression with you as well and yeah, I think, I think the deepest part for me was learning how to trust myself and then it became much easier for me to trust you because I experienced those qualities in you. So yes, integrity, responsibility, humility, like following through on commitments strength and confidence strength, in your own abilities confidence yes those are those are all characteristics of a trustworthy yes person in general a dominant man 
your ability as a submissive to speak up and to trust yourself that you are going to um, share what's going on with you. And I think the third piece to that is that you have to be able to trust. You have to have the capacity to trust. Otherwise, you can always find your, your ego can always find a reason not to trust someone if it wants to look hard enough. Well, I will say that everybody has the capacity, but are you willing to do the work to drop the walls mm-hmm. that you've built around your heart? Yeah, and this is another, you know, back to when the fuck did BDSM become a therapy session? You cannot do this on any kind of a deep level if you haven't healed your inner pain, right. both the dominant and the submissive. It's always going to be trauma bonding. It's going to be coping mechanisms. It's going to be some unhealthy version of relating without having done the deep work on yourself. Right. And that impacts trust as well. It impacts the ability to be trustworthy. It impacts the ability to trust someone else. It impacts the ability for you to have internal self-trust. All of it matters, and that's why we continue to come back to this idea that you have to heal your traumas. You have to heal your inner pain and be willing to face it and stand there in it. Mm -hmm. Even when, well, and especially when it hurts. Absolutely. So I hope that was helpful in in learning about what it means to find trustworthiness in a dominant. The next question, and I'd love to hear your input on this one first, is it possible to have a family and a DS relationship? Absolutely. I think it is a very um, important uh, display of the love and devotion that is possible that can be in a relationship between a man and woman and like i can see it if you're asking that through the question that dominance and submission is closer to the bdsm aspect of kink i can understand why it's like how do you do that but my surrender to the bigness of life and surrender to my soul my submission to you is one of the most incredible well it is the most incredible piece to my life like it's made me who i am and so i wish we would have had this a long time ago because it's been it's been life-changing and In the Bible, it says, wives submit to your husbands. And now I understand the depths of what that really is getting at. And I know that can be, you know, misconstrued in religion very easily. Yeah, and it has been by a lot of religions for a long time. Yeah, but when when I surrender and I let you take charge in all ways in our relationship, it's gotten so much better my life has gotten better i have felt free and so i i I try to put myself in the um position of a child and experiencing a husband and a wife the mom and dad in this like beautiful love and devotion and that's their experience of childhood and what's possible that is amazing very different than my experience and and yours Mm -hmm. but i encourage everybody to like release the shame that's attached to these roles and really live in the depths of what they possibly can be i think that this continues to be a thing and this is a part of why we share so openly like we should we talk so much about this 
in everything that we do for a living and we're open about it in our lives with people who want to know about it that doesn't mean they know what we do in the bedroom <laughs> no but there's there's a lot of assumption that you like those lines have to be crossed in order to be 24/7 like your entire sexuality has to be on display at the like Christmas dinner table mm-hmm. what anyone who knows us and sees us gets to see of our relationship is intense love passion devotion care respect like this woman doesn't touch a car door she she is very well taken care of and loved and anyone who sees us whether they know that you're my submissive or not sees a man who deeply loves and cares for his wife and that care is only strengthened in me and my desire to give it to you because of how much I receive back from you because of the energy of your submission and what it gives to me. Right. And your willingness to follow me inspires me to want to give more love to you. So absolutely you can have a family and a DS relationship. You just might want a couple of locked drawers in your nightstand (laughs) and like a willingness to leave all of the private parts of it in private life. Yeah. And I do understand how, you know, it's somewhat taboo, if you will, in today's society and certain cultures. And so I can't speak to what that is like if, if it's, very different in your culture but um you know i don't really i I don't live for anyone else i'm gonna live my best life and i've experienced a better life through submission so i'm not ashamed of it at all it's something we get that i really love that we get to be an example for for people is how much of our dominant submissive dynamic that we get to share and that we share every day with lots of people and nobody knows what we do in the bedroom no. and they won't get to know there's actually one of the questions that I didn't even put on our list today but I'm gonna bring it up now just because of that conversation someone asked do the two of you quote unquote play with others you don't get to know that or anything else that we do because we get to have a private life. Yeah. And that you get to have a private life and still be dominant submissive and have pieces of your relationship that are just between the two of you, even if it's 24 seven. Sometimes the two of you may just have your own little secrets or your own memories of fun that you just had and you might be smirking at each other across the Christmas dinner table but that's just between the two of you Mm -hmm. so the next question was it's come up a couple of different times in different contexts so I'm kind of uh, combining these questions into one but with the level of connection and the amount that we rely on each other. Someone asks, are you afraid of what happens if you lose each other? And I'll start on this one because I think there's maybe more of an assumption that from the submissive side that something bad would happen if you lost me. And I'll let you speak to that. But from my side, it's not just you that would be wrecked. Because I count so deeply on you. I depend so much on you and your, and the way that you feed me with energy and with love. And what having you at my side 
or kneeling at my feet does for me in my life, how much color and joy and energy and passion and inspiration that brings to me, I would be absolutely wrecked if I lost you. And I don't think I would ever be the same. Because this is, as much as from the outside, dominance and submission looks like I'm bossing you around. And that is in the, the, the realm of the physical and the visible and what people can see I'm leading and you're following. Like I'm ordering your food for you. I'm telling you where we're going, what time we're leaving, you know, all of that kind of thing. So it's very visible the ways that you, you submit to me. What's not so visible is the ways that I count and depend on you on the emotional side of the coin. How really vulnerable my heart is to any time that you might lose connection with me and how much I count on that and how much it hurts when we lose it. So, yes, I'm terrified of losing you and at the same time I would never hold back how much I would open myself to you just because I'm afraid I might lose it someday. I don't want to limit my experience of how good life can be just because someday it might not be so good. I'm going to enjoy what's here right now. Yeah, I love this question because it was quite a while ago now that I recognized, you know, we said in our relationship a long time ago that we still choose each other every day. Mm -hmm. You know, we're married, but we still choose each other every day. It's still a choice. You know, a marriage contract, whatever, license, <laughs> is not, um, it, it's signing a piece of paper. Yes, you can invite God into it as well. But what I did back then on the, our wedding day was is very different than the commitment that I have to you today and my experience of you and of the love that we share. And the deeper that I've gone into this, I had to come um, face to face with different ways that I've clung to you and felt like you are mine <laughs> to have. And, you know, I know those are just words and my felt experiences and emotional attachments and all of that are like we're mine to understand and like disconnect from. Um, but what that helped me realize was the fear that was there of losing you. And honestly, that, that can be there forever if I want to live in that. Because I would feel lost without you. Incredibly. I also know that you've done what you can do to provide for me beyond if something happened to you. But I also trust in God, in the consciousness that I've connected to through you and beyond. And I know that I would be protected, I would be provided for. I don't know what it would look like. It's not mine to know. And if I choose to live in the fear and the worry, I'm only limiting, like you said, the possibility of what we can truly experience together. If I limit my vulnerability to the amount that fear wants to hold it to, like, we don't get to dance in this aspect of life together as big as it can be. And so does the thought come to my mind, what would I do if I lost you? Yes, but I don't feel the fear in my body about it. 
I trust that I would be protected, I would be provided for. I do have a brain that I can put to use in ways that I don't have to right now. And I do have other people that I can go to and rely on if I need to. You know, I think that question, which usually or almost, really almost always comes from the submissive side, does come out of some some semblance of a fear of like losing themselves losing their own capability losing their own ability to take care of themselves by counting on or depending on someone else mm-hmm. and in some ways i guess this comes back to the question about trust and trustworthiness and the ability to trust But it also gets at something a little bit deeper too, which is when when you fear losing someone because you count or rely on them, what you're really saying on, to some level or on, at some extent is that you don't believe in your own ability to handle yourself. That on some level you think that something about you, like there's a codependency to it, I think, that in in the question, in the way that it comes a lot of times, like an assumption that this level of connection requires unhealthy codependency. And depending on someone, really counting on someone, is not a codependent relationship. It's, it's much more vulnerable than that. Yeah, I think that term is getting at more of along the lines of a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. And like through this relationship, through love and devotion, you can evolve beyond that from codependency to inter dependency to true dependency to at to connect to the depths of the spiritual aspect of life mm-hmm. and you don't you don't lose that I wouldn't lose my connection to God if you were the divine masculine I'm connected to the heart of God and you wouldn't lose your capability of like going to the bank ordering some checks. <laughs> or going online and using bill pay and paying the bills and like figuring some things out for yourself. Right. Just because you don't have to doesn't mean you can't or that you forget how. Right. So to end this Q&A episode, I want to do something a little bit different. And I want to give our listeners and watchers a little chance to get to know a little bit about us on a more personal level. So tell us, Don, what is your favorite kind of wine? <laughs> um, just like type or beyond? Whatever. Okay. Well, I would say I like something along the lines of Zinfandels and Cabernets because I like a nice bold flavor and some spicy notes to it. And yeah, that's what I've experienced through those two types the yeah. most. Yeah, especially um, the the cabs, the cabs that are grown in a little bit warmer climates, and Zinfandels. the The problem that we have with wine really <laughs> is that the things that make wine taste the way that we like it also makes the highest alcohol content wines. I was going to comment on that because I was (laughs) like, I love the wines we drink, but gosh, two glasses of wine makes me extremely giggly. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes very talkative. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we both have similar tastes in in that. In wine, we like the the really bold, spicy flavors of wine just like we like food you know we like very 
flavorful things in general. I, I like depth to what I enjoy mm -hmm. in food and drink. Yeah, and something that is really important, I know, to both of us is like we're quality over quantity people when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to food, when it comes to a lot of things. I would rather drink way less and have very good or eat something way less but have at a high quality. I would rather have a high quality pizza than a low quality filet mignon. Yeah. Absolutely. So what is your favorite thing to cook? Oh man, I don't know if I have a favorite. I just like being creative with it and coming up like, I love going out to a restaurant and experiencing something I really like and then finding a way to recreate it for myself and make that on the regular menu. And so I love pasta dishes I love making risotto. I love doing our homemade sourdough pizza. Hmm. And what's your favorite thing that I cook for you? Um, meat. <laughs> <laughs> Just meat. <laughs> well, you cook steak and pork chops and pork tenderloin and some good brisket, a good pork shoulder. You cook most of the seafood. Yeah, we both definitely have our specialties. Yeah, there's a l I feel like so far in my adventures, there's more ways that I have found to be creative with the things that I cook than meat. Because I, I like the simplicity of meat too. It's not like, hey, I want to cover this in sauce. Because then you're messing with the flavors of just a good quality steak in my opinion i think far and away my favorite thing to cook is really anything i can barbecue like i love making a good brisket a good rack of ribs What's your and i love and i love sharing that when i make it i love being able to to witness other people experiencing what it is that i've that I've cooked and been able to create because I don't cook with with barbecue. I don't barbecue with barbecue sauce at all I tried to make the flavor of the meat the best that it can be and I love watching other people enjoy it Yeah, what's one of your favorite things that I cook? Your Cajun pasta is pretty high up that list <laughs> I just um, made that up myself <laughs> And the chicken wild rice soup yeah. that you make is amazing. And I know that no matter what, one way that I can always make you smile is to compliment your cooking. I love when you enjoy <laughs> it. It like just makes my day. I love the pleasures of food. I love experiencing that with other people, especially you. Where is your favorite place you've traveled? Hmm. Um, gosh. I loved Hawaii. I would love to go back to Hawaii. And I, I loved experiencing the drive around tour on the big island in the convertible and all of the different climates on that one island. I would love to do that again and spend more time than we had. Maybe do it in more than a day. <laughs> yeah, that trip was tops for me too, especially because that's where I proposed to you. Yeah. On the big island on that trip. So yeah. that, that will always hold a special place for us. Yes, that whole trip was incredible. And so the one last little get to know us question that I wanted to answer for our listeners and viewers 
is what is this that we are sitting in right now and this <laughs> for those of you watching on YouTube especially you can see that our background from the first several episodes of the podcast to now looks quite a bit different so what are we sitting in I think I did mention this on the last one but we are in our fifth wheel camper it's a grand design solitude and we have we have spent over half the year um, like last winter and then now this winter living in this thing mm -hmm. um, to experience a better climate during winter than back home yes because we live way up north where you get into the negative 20s and 30s Fahrenheit in the winter and lots and lots of snow and we like to be outside so once we were able to and life at home allowed we started hitting the road early October in this thing and we live wherever we park it usually for a month or two at a time and travel around eventually with the desire to find a different place that we can call home that allows us to be outside more than five months out of the year comfortably. Yes, I look forward to finding that someday. So if you really love where you live, <laughs> <laughs> if it's a beautiful climate where you live and there's the ability to like be in nature with lots of peace and quiet um, and you'd like to suggest a potential future home for Don and I where we can drag our camper somewhere in that area and check it out let us know please in the comments we would love to have our eyes and minds open to new ideas of where we might make home of something we might not have thought about including another country we just can't take our camper we could probably get it to Canada, but that's north. That's too nope, cold. Nope, not going there. So if your suggestion is Canada, no, yep. no thanks. And I'm, I'm not going to see if it floats. So, nope. yeah. So we're probably not going to Cuba. No, <laughs> not in a camper. So thank you all for watching and listening. We appreciate you being here with us and if, you, if any of these questions helped you, please share with us in the comments. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear us address in a future Q&A episode, please leave those for us. Some of these questions came off of comments from our last Q&A podcast. So leave them in the YouTube comments. We'd love to hear. And we appreciate you watching and listening. Thank you.